When I was a little boy, I asked for an armored suit for Christmas. I'm not sure why. Maybe I felt vulnerable and thought a suit of armor was the best way to protect myself. Some things we never outgrow. A spiritual suit of armor is exactly what we need to protect ourselves from the onslaught of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The breastplate of righteousness, for example, is spiritual armor that guards the most vulnerable part of us from the devil's attacks and relentless accusations. I never received the armored suit I wanted for Christmas as a little boy, but thanks be to God, he gave me one when I became his child. I'm Ron Jones, something good starts right now. one thing to know who you are, but do you know who you are in Christ? Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and thanks for stopping by for today's edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, sometimes we believe what others think about us, or maybe what we think about ourselves. But rather than buy into what people think, how about believing what God says? Today's message is straight ahead, so stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Armored, Dressed for Victory in Spiritual Warfare, here's Ron in part two of his Something Good Radio message, Putting on the Breastplate of Righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness first means we are in a right relationship with God, not because we have behaved right, but because Jesus gave us his righteousness as a free gift. Grab onto that, friends. That in and of itself is the difference between Christianity and religion, because religion is, is works-based. It's, it's based upon self-righteousness. Me, through my own self-efforts, trying to be as right with God as I can. That's religion. That isn't Christianity. Jesus puts us in a right relationship with God, we can say it this way, by clothing us in his righteousness. I want you to hold your place in Ephesians 6 and go with me to the Old Testament book of Zechariah. I, I know you haven't been there in a while, but uh, turn there, it's toward the end of your Old Testament. And there's a marvelous picture of all that I'm talking about here tucked away in the Old Testament book of Zechariah where we find Satan in the uh, Lord's presence as an accuser. And he's accusing a high priest named Joshua. Not the Joshua who succeeded Moses. This is a different Joshua. But check this out in Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Picture that and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. <laughs> there he is, the prosecuting attorney, standing right next to this high priest named Joshua about to bring his accusation to the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, listen to this, the Lord rebukes you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this, referring to Joshua, a brand plucked from the fire? 
Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments, and the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. What, what an incredible picture. It's an Old Testament picture. Uh, that is understood in, in deeper ways through uh, New Testament theology. Here, Satan accuses Joshua of being an unfaithful servant. And it might have be, been because the priests at that time under Joshua's leadership had married foreign wives, which was forbidden according to Ezra 9 and Nehemiah 3. Whatever the reason, Satan accuses Joshua as God was about to reestablish the holy priesthood in Jerusalem under his leadership. And the point is this, by our own disobedience and acts of unrighteousness, we foolishly provide Satan with fodder for the cosmic courtroom. We give him reason to come into the presence of God and accuse us, and he will use anything he finds in the discovery process to file motions against us. He's a mean and relentless prosecutor, but Jesus is our defense attorney. And here's what you need to understand. He never plea bargains with the devil. <laughs> he doesn't. He just buries the devil uh, with our defense. Uh, the Lord God of heaven rebuked the devil, not Joshua. He had authority over Satan, the eternal judge did, and he squashes the devil's indictment and stands by Joshua as his choice for high priest. The Lord calls Joshua, did you catch that? A brand plucked from the fire. My, my chosen instrument, he says. He's been plucked from the fires of captivity and purified and then prepared for service. And that's what God does for us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua standing before the Lord in the cosmic courtroom in those filthy clothes kind of reminds me of Isaiah 64 and verse 6 that says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Yeah, all of those self-righteous acts where we pat ourselves on the back and we say, we're doing pretty good. We're doing better than so-and-so who's just a dirty, rotten, moral reprobate, my neighbor, you know, or something like that. And we're feeling smug, we're feeling self-righteous, but every act of self-righteousness is like a filthy rag in God's eyes. But the Lord did not leave Joshua in his filthy clothes. Remember, he was that brand plucked from the fire. He's my chosen instrument. And God gave him a new set of clothes, fit for service as a priest. And this, this idea is carried into the New Testament, to 1 Peter chapter 2, where he does the same for believers and calls believers in Jesus part of his royal priesthood. You ever thought of yourself like that? No, no the devil's going to accuse you. And, and, and tell you some, something about whatever you did wrong, and that's your identity. No, you're part of the royal priesthood of God, a brand plucked from the fire, prepared for his service. That's who you are in Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Now, what a way to think about ourselves. 
And you're going to need that understanding. Again, you're going to have to grapple with this and understand this and accept it by faith that this is who you are in Christ, no matter the lies and the accusations of the devil that come your way. That's what it means to be right in God's eyes, positional righteousness. Let's move now to the practical righteousness. And here's the challenge where our positional righteousness as believers in Jesus Christ, there's a distance between who we are in Christ and how we're living, how we're practically living out the reality of who we are in Christ. It's one thing to accept your righteous position in Christ. It's another thing practically uh, to live it out. And, um, and we want to talk about that in a number of different ways. Uh, there's an example of this in uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, King Ahab. Just write this down and go back and read the story later. But King Ahab had disguised himself as he went into battle against Syria with Jehoshaphat, the king of, Josiah, of Judah. And uh, the disguise worked until a random arrow, the Bible says, uh, landed between the king's scale armor and the breastplate. You know, when they would armor up for battle, you know, it's it kind of clunky stuff, even this breastplate that protected their uh, vital organs. And sometimes there's there a little gap between their armor and an arrow found that in the king's armor, shot him through that little gap, and he died. And what a picture of spiritual warfare, because friends, mark it down, Satan is looking for the small gaps in our breastplate, and then he slings his arrows in that direction. The gap between being right with God and doing what is right. The gap between your positional righteousness and your everyday practical living. The process of sanctification that is growing more and more into the image of Christ with the aid of the Holy Spirit is what closes the gap between who we are positionally and what we are practically. And we, we, we want to make sure that gap is closing. But the devil is looking for that gap, which is why practical righteousness, doing what is right, aided by the Holy Spirit, living the Christian life, is so important in spiritual battle. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If it's been a while since you stopped by our website, somethinggoodradio.org, you may want to pay us a visit. We've released a new streaming platform for Something Good Radio and Something Good Television. You'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to some of your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. 
Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available for pre-order. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To pre order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. And, Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience, and what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, My relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a a bird's-eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling 757-276-1099, or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now with the rest of his message, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. Now let's talk about some of the ways we do that. Five quick ways, write these down and then I'm done. Number one, let's go back to the beginning. You gotta get right with God. Okay, this is a message for some of you. Get right with God today. Some of you, quite frankly, what you've been trusting in, if you were honest with yourself, is your own self-righteousness. If somebody were to ask you today, if you were to die and you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? You might give an answer something like this. Well, I've tried to be the best person that I can. I'm certainly better than neighbor Joe down the street who's just a moral reprobate. I'm trying harder. I go to church as often as I can. I try to abide by the golden rule. That's self-righteous language. And that sort of clothing It's like filthy rags in God's eyes. If that describes you, this is your day, friend, to get right with God by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. And then number two, believe what God says about you. Don't believe the lies of the devil, that accuser, that prosecuting attorney who's going to bring the indictment before the cosmic courtroom and say, you know, Joe, Joe did something wrong yesterday. Did you see this? Okay. No, you're standing in the righteousness of Christ. You are clothed in his righteousness. You need to believe what God says about you. You're forgiven. 
You're chosen. You're blessed. You're righteous in his eyes. Not based upon your own efforts, not based upon your own, you know, I'm doing better and trying harder today, but because the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been credited to your account. Believe what God says about you. Now let's get real practical. Closing the gap between our positional righteousness and our practical righteousness. Number one, think righteous thoughts. Starts in the mind, doesn't it? Somebody once said that uh, if you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. That's very true. Starts by what we think about. So start in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Give attention to what you're thinking about. What did your mind just muse about over the last 24 to 48 hours, over, over the last six or seven days? Philippians 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, as convicting as it sounds, I, I can reach in and you know, pull up some data on my phone and it'll tell me how many hours I've spent scrolling through those social media platforms, those flea markets of ideas and thoughts. Hours and hours we're scrolling through these kinds of things. What are you thinking on these days? What am I thinking on these days? If we took half the time we're spending scrolling through the flea market of thoughts and ideas and spent it saturating our heart and our minds with the Word of God, I'm talking about reading your Bible, studying the Word of God, what kind of person would you be? What kind of person would I be? Would we be closing the gap between our positional righteousness, who we are in Christ, and our practical righteousness? How we live, let alone how we think, because how you think is going to determine a whole lot of stuff as it ripples out in your life and my life. So think righteous thoughts. Secondly, develop righteous habits. Paul said to Timothy, he was training him up as his disciple, mentoring him in the ministry, and he said, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7, Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Christian life is a disciplined life, friends. In the English language, we can see the word disciplined in the word disciple. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples. And a disciple, a follower of Jesus is a disciplined person. You're gonna have to develop some disciplines, some habits some righteous disciplines, some righteous habits. I'm talking about a disciplined prayer life, a disciplined time where you spend time with the Lord, reading his word, saturating your thought life with him. Uh, the discipline of being in church, the discipline of worship. My concern is that in our culture today, more and more people, you know, they're not developing the habit as an individual or a family of being in church on Sunday. We, we, we get around to go into church when it's convenient for us and we don't have something else to do. It all contributes to that gap between our positional righteousness 
and our practical righteousness. There are certain disciplines and habits that we must form as followers of Jesus. And then finally, make righteous choices. Oh, you are, you are positionally righteous before God and that can never be taken away from you, but you are vulnerable to the devil's attack when there is a growing gap between the two in your thought life, in the habits that you develop and I develop, and in the choices that we make. Chuck Lawless is a professor of theology at the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's written very eloquently on this matter of spiritual warfare, and he says, we who have been saved and made righteous by God, by his grace, must daily choose to make righteous choices. And that's true for all of us as believers in Jesus Christ. Stand therefore, Paul says. You're in a war, you're in a battle. Stand therefore, having put on. Past tense there. You don't go into battle without this breastplate. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, this righteousness that is appropriated to us as believers in Christ is such a beautiful gift, one that most Christians understand at least to some degree. But what about after we're saved? Our sanctification, the growing in our faith. Help us better understand that process as we wrap things up here on Something Good Radio. I'm so glad you asked that, Brian. Let me start with an overarching concept and then I'll elaborate. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ, and we are sanctified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Both work the same way. And here's where sometimes we get things a little twisted. The temptation is to say to ourselves, well, now I'm a believer in Christ by grace through faith, and Uh, Now that I'm here, now that I've arrived, uh, in order to become more like Jesus, in order to grow spiritually, in order to be sanctified, I need to perform better. By an act of my sheer will, I need to become more like Jesus. It's a very easy trap to fall into. The problem is that when we do try to do that on our own and we fail, as we, uh, we sometimes will, that's when Satan, the accuser, has far more power over us than he ought to have. Here's the truth of it, Brian, and I want our listeners to take these two verses in tandem with one another. Now remember, I'm saying we are sanctified by grace through faith, just as we are saved by grace through faith. And here are a couple of verses that can help that concept sink in. The first one is found in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. It is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. And the second verse uh, is found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says that Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. Now, once we have that concept down, we are then free to rely on his performance, not our own. His character and nature, not our own. His work in us, not our work for him. Now, there's much more we could say about this idea, but I'll stop here in the interest of time. The breastplate of righteousness is given to us by grace and through faith, and it remains on us by grace and through faith. 
And that's why the gospel is such great news. Thanks for those great final thoughts on today's message, Ron. Now, before we call it a day, how about telling us a little about tomorrow? Well, Brian, coming tomorrow, I'm going to talk about the way God teaches us to put on our shoes. Think about any battle or any sporting event, really, Uh, whether it's running a marathon or playing football or any other athletic endeavor. The shoes are critical for success. How does this translate to the armor of God? Well, the next piece of armor on the list calls us to put on our gospel shoes. And what that means is this, be prepared to share and defend the good news that God has made peace with us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that sentence is packed with truth and I'll be unpacking it next time, right here on Something Good Radio. That's next time in Dr. Ron Jones' message, Putting On Your Gospel Shoes. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.